Welcome to the Dewhawk Digest, the podcast for all things Loris College. In 2018, Loris launched the only career changer post-baccalaureate pre-medical pre-health program in Iowa. Since then, three cohorts of students have taken advantage of the opportunity to complete the necessary prerequisites for attending medical school and pursuing a career in various health fields. In this episode, we take a closer look at what the program is all about and get a firsthand account of what the experience entails. I'm Robert Waterbury, Assistant Director of Campus Communications, and I'm pleased to be joined by Ulrike Schultz, Post-Baccalaureate Pre-Medical Pre-Health Program Director, and Alex Stuth, a Post-Baccalaureate Program Graduate. Ulrike, Alex, welcome to the Dewhawk Digest. Thank you very much. Thanks Happy to be for here. Us. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with me. And Elrique, you get to start because I know you're more nervous, so we're going to put you on the spot. <laughs> All right, let's do this. <laughs> but I think the best place to start with this is just giving an overview of what the pre- that post baccalaureate program is all about. So, if somebody who's unfamiliar with it, what is it? What is this program? Yeah, good question. So our post-bac program is what we call a career changer uh, program, and it is for students that um, are graduated usually outside of the sciences uh, in undergraduate education uh, and have later decided they want to pursue a healthcare field. So either they want to be a, a dentist, a, um, a physician, a physician assistant, occupational therapist, physical therapy, uh, and they need now the what we call the prereqs, uh, prerequisite science classes to be able to apply to these programs. And so they come to us and finish these prerequisites. Uh, most of them finish it in one year. Uh, they, for example, take biology, they take chemistry, physics, uh, and some of the more advanced biology classes that prepare them on this pathway into medical school. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, they, they really need to be able to apply to these schools. So we, for example, have students that um, may decide in their in their last year of undergraduate education that they might want to be a physician. Uh, and so they finish their undergraduate education uh, perhaps as a, as a finance major and then apply to uh, our program and start uh, uh, in our program pretty quick after they graduate from undergraduate education. And then we have some students that really have com- finished complete careers, have worked in, uh, in other fields for years, which is, for example, Alex here <laughs> did that. And so we have a really, um, often a really diverse group of students, and we recognize that, you know, wanting to be a physician, wanting to be a nurse or a PA, um, you know, some people, um, you know, hear that calling later in life. And we want to give these career changers the chance to to do that. So really, it's somebody, regardless of where they are professionally in their careers academically as long as they've gone through have got that undergraduate degree and at some point decided you know what i need i want to shift over into the medical field or or a health field this is the path that they kind of help get them moving forward correct so they are the only requirement uh usually is just uh undergraduate education okay so 
Arika, you're the director of the program. So tell me a little bit about you. What brought you to Loris and got you connected to the postbac program? Yeah, so I have been working at Loris for um, several years. I actually started working here, I believe it was 2013. Uh, and I covered Dr. Davis in the biology department and taught a class that he's usually teaching, which is anatomy and cadaver lab. Uh, and then uh, taught that several years, uh, was asked to teach some biology labs, and I always really, really enjoyed interacting with students. And then um, Lawrence College decided that uh, they would implement this post-bac program, and I was approached if I could uh, imagine doing doing that, that job. And um, yeah, I'm glad I'm here. And one of the pleasures of this job is really working with students and with students like, like Alex, Aww, definitely. Thank you. <laughs> Well, that sets us up then for Alex <laughs> to bring you in here. So bring us up to speed on your pre-Loris career. So as Ulrike noted, it didn't, you don't have to be have a science background to go into this. And you definitely did not. I definitely so. didn't, yeah. <laughs> what, what was your um, life pre-Loris? So I guess it makes sense to go back to what I studied in college, which I finished up 2015. Um, so you can with these with this postback program come come back after you know some time away from from the classroom, some time away from education. So, 2015 graduated with a degree in music. <laughs> uh, was at the time working for a radio station that was associated affiliated with my college, and then after a while, I was like, ah, radio isn't exactly what I'm looking for, and I. Did a few odd things here and there. I hiked. I hiked the Appalachian Trail. Was was one of them. And at that point, uh, I came back to medicine. So medicine had kind of been in the background. My my father's a physician. My mother, before she retired, was a nurse. Um, and so it was there. And then the the time time away, time out hiking in the woods. I guess sort of brought me back and made me consider. All right, do do I want to do this? Maybe. Do I want to be a teacher? Maybe those were the two things were medicine or education. Mm -hmm. I tried education first, taught English for two years in China. That was 2017 to 2019. Um, then also figured education wasn't exactly what I wanted. I liked teaching, but pure education wasn't what was for me. And so that was the point where I was like, all right, it's, it's time for time to give this whole medicine thing a shot. Mm -hmm. um, signed up for an EMT program. Completed that, and at the same time, I applied to postbac programs because I had done some research and I knew that's where I needed to go. I didn't have the the undergrad prereqs to apply to medical school, and so that was the next step. Um, when I was applying, and on they have a little portal for the postbac programs. Uh, I actually hadn't heard of Loris or Dubuque prior to prior to applying, but it was it was there. I'm from Milwaukee originally, mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, all right, this. This town isn't that far away. This school isn't that far away. Let's apply, you know. Sure. Um, and it ended up being one of the best whim decisions <laughs> I've ever I've ever made to apply uh, to Loris. And then after I got yeah the email from from Oli, then uh, the rest is history. And yeah, came and yeah. So that that was my that was my past beforehand. Yeah. So I, well, and obviously traveling away from Milwaukee was never the issue if you've been you know right. teaching <laughs> teaching right. English in another exactly. country or hiking the Appalachian mm -hmm. Trail. So, uh, but yeah, much closer to home actually for you. So that works out right. Well. Yeah, and it was. Uh, 
I wasn't sure, you know, having been so far away, I wasn't sure how I would deal with that. But mm. having that proximity to to my parents, especially because I started in the midst of COVID, so this is this was right in 2020. Um, I don't know the program and all the teachers and everybody was very. They were very amenable for to having me. Uh, it was it was great to be close to home. That's what sure. I'm, that's what I'm well, trying and, to say. And, and what was the experience like then? So I mean, this is I mean, talk about a career change. This is a whole yeah. This is a change. I mean, you're going back to school to look at mm-hmm. something completely different. What was it like then to transition over into this program? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, take your time. It's fine. Sure. Uh, there, I I knew medicine is what I wanted, and I guess. At, at the time, you sort of look at the prereqs as, as being that obstacle, really, to what you need to get into medical school. Because, I don't know, I'm, I'm almost 31 now, so I was, what, 29 when I started the program. At that age, you're sort of like, well, I, I know I want to go to medical school. Why can't I just apply? And so, really, the prerequisites do seem like this hurdle. But so I was looking for a program that I knew would would help me out, would support me, uh, would give me the resources and the people I needed to, to help me get to my goal of medicine. But in terms of going back into the classroom, yeah, I can't, I can't say I was looking forward to it, but then the teachers here never made that an issue. I, I, yeah, I don't know, Dr. Kerr, Dr. Cooper, Dr. Mosher, Dr. Davis, doctor, I, I could list them all in there. Uh, they were fantastic in getting me to, um, love being in the classroom. Uh, and I actually was even inspired to start conducting research with, with Dr. Kerr here. And I'm still doing that (laughs) to an extent. Uh, so maybe I fell in love with, with being a student more than I thought I would, because initially the goal was just get done what I need to, to apply to medical school. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed being in the classroom again. Nice. So Enrique, to come back to you a little bit, hearing him, Alex's experience coming in and kind of getting into the experience, not a little tentative, which is not surprising. <laughs> I mean, it's daunting to leave school and to come back. It's not, uh, and the, the longer you're away, the harder it becomes. So for just generally speaking for a student like Alex, when they sign up for the program, what is their course load going to be like? What, um, and what kind of support is going to be provided to them to get them to make sure that they get through the program? Yeah, so um, very generally speaking, we can cover most of the prereqs in in one year. So our students usually start with the summer semester in May uh, and then also finish uh, in May with the spring semester. Uh, There are some exceptions. So there are some health profession um, pathways where we may add a semester because they have more requirements or they need, for example, more direct patient care experiences. But generally speaking, most students are with us for a year and in the summer they start taking three science classes so they are the basic science classes it it is um, what we call chemistry one biology one and then uh, fundamentals of organic chemistry so those are all um, prerequisites for uh, all many health profession schools for medical school um, especially and for dental school and uh, they take these classes in uh, in sequence. So they take one class at the time throughout the summer. So there are three sessions. Um, it is, uh, you know, a fast-paced time where what we usually teach in a whole semester, we teach during the summer in four or five weeks. 
but the student only is doing one uh, topic. So they are only doing chemistry and they are only doing, I shouldn't say only, but they are doing chemistry <laughs> and they do bi um, biology and then fundamentals of uh, um, organic chemistry. Um, then in the fall, so they usually have a week of a break, and then in the fall they take usually three science classes. Very generally speaking, that's often um, uh, physiology, uh, physics one, and then uh, biochemistry. Mm -hmm. um, so those are, I would say, advanced um, science classes. And um, that is really um, a, a rigorous load. And they do the same load in, in the spring where they usually take uh, physics to uh, some advanced biology class. So we have, for example, a human anatomy and cadaver lab where the students learn anatomy uh, hands-on on a cadaver. Uh, we have uh, advanced classes like cell and molecular biology. So all of these health profession schools really appreciate um, that background. And then there is some additional uh, chemistry that the students usually do. So overall, they uh, in the summer, they have three classes. In the fall and spring, usually they have three science classes at the time. Um, the, the time commitment is usually um, three lectures a week during the fall and spring and in three subject areas and then three labs. So it is, uh, that year is really a, a rigorous year and it is a good load of work that uh, these students have mm -hmm. to do. And so once they finish the program and they do that successful, I'm really, um, really <laughs> confident sending them into medical school because I think then they, uh, for me, they, th that's an indication that they can survive in a rigorous academic mm -hmm. environment as, you know, um, a medical school curriculum, as a PA curriculum, uh, a nursing curriculum, and, and uh, they, they can survive in that, that, that rigor, rigorous environment. Overall, I think what they can expect um, additionally, uh, you know, besides going to classes is that we intentionally are a small program. Uh, so far, our cohorts were between four and 10 people mm -hmm. large. Uh, but we are a very intimate program. So as a program director, I get to know the students pretty well. I have frequent meetings with them. Uh, um, I am, you know, I, I do tough love, but I do also <laughs> am a cheerleader at the same time. Um, and I, I really, um, you know, get to know the students and get to know their their uh, abilities. And, um, and and that is, is one of the pleasures, uh, being the program director and, and kind of guiding these uh, students through the process. Uh, on the ground, we do, we do, for example, post-bac program uh, seminars where we generally prepare the students for um, the application process. We talk about, uh, you know, what to do and what not to do. Uh, we talk about uh, creating a list that is meaning, a list of schools that they apply to that is meaningful. Uh, we talk about how to write the personal statement for these health professional schools. So uh, we talk about how do you explain to somebody or these admission committees um, why you want to be a doctor or a physician, physician assistant. Um, and um, so there's a lot of, uh, besides the academic and science classes the students take, they, they have these, that, that additional guidance on uh, in the application process and kind of getting ready for the application. We also do on the tail end, we do mock interviews because all these professions, uh, professional schools require the students to do, um, go through an interview process. Um, so we also provide the students with uh, that opportunity 
we give guidance uh, in terms of these admission tests the students have to do. Uh, for example, for medical school, uh, they have to do an admission test that's called the MCAT. Um, uh, some schools require the GRE um, uh, and so on. And so we give them uh, the students guidance throughout the program. Uh, we do these M M mock MCAT tests usually where we come together on a Saturday and uh, give the students the opportunity to sit for a test in a non-threatening envi environment uh, in science hall. And uh, we give them some guidance of how to build, build a study plan. And then a lot of what we do is really individual guidance where we just come together uh, and I sit down with the students and talk about what goes well uh, during their study time, what needs to improve, and giving them some advice what they uh, what, what they can maybe do differently, right? Mm -hmm. And also, you know, encourage them in the process. This is this is really um, uh, a lot of work for for the for the students. Um, uh, I think that um, because we are a smaller program, I can give individual guidance, but I also uh, have to say that our science faculty are doing an amazing job, you know, educating all of our students and also our post Here, here, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> also uh, really do a great job. I feel they uh, really enable our students to be critical thinkers and problem solvers. And um, for me as a physician myself, I think this is really very important because you go out then and you need to be a critical thinker and a problem solver. So I think they enable our students to do that. It also helps, uh, you know, answering questions on, on these admission tests mm -hmm. like the MCAT, uh, MCAT test overall. Yeah, so I, I picked up on two key words there, um, rigorous <laughs> and, uh, and comprehensive. So yeah. this is not just... Uh, here, here's your here's your books. Takes your tests. Okay, thanks. Move on. You're, it, it is it is getting the program attendees ready for all aspects of it, not mm -hmm. just the absolutely not just the book learning. It's it is it is everything. Yeah, and part of the I like to kind of talk about the pillars of getting into these health profession schools, the pillars of getting into medical school, for example, for Alex, is really um, the, the metrics, the academic abilities, right? Taking these classes, being able to uh, know those scientific concepts that then medical schools build on. Uh, and um, the, the next pillar is really um, uh, what we often also give, give guidance on um, shadowing opportunities. So our students, beside those, besides those classes, we help them find shadowing opportunities. Uh, we have a robust healthcare system here in, uh, in Dubuque, and there are always uh, people who really welcome our students to uh, um, to let them shadow uh, their their work. So we have uh, you know opportunities to shadow doctors, PAs, nurses here in town directly. Our students don't need to go uh, anywhere else. Um, then the other part is direct patient care experiences. So most of our students, uh, uh, we encourage them to work uh, during their time in the program if they can, or before and after the program in direct, pair, direct care experiences, uh, which is, for example, uh, something that um, Alex did. He is an EMT. Mm where he uh, you know, takes care of patients, or it could be uh, working as a certified nursing aide. Uh, we also provide, during GA term, we provide a certified nursing aide class that we do in partnership with uh, NICC. Uh, and so they teach the nursing part, and I teach the reflective 
part where I talk about what does it mean to take care of people, you know, how, how does it feel to have this responsibility for another person, uh, and we do things like that. But those are kind of the pillars to get into medical school, into other health profession schools, and um, our students in the post programs have uh, also, you know, time to, to do at least to some extent as some of that, and we can give them uh, guidance. I think you can take any type of science classes, uh, really anywhere but that additional guidance I think makes uh, makes a, a difference um, and I also in the within the program we provide what we call committee letters so this mm. is these are recommendation letters comprehensive recommendation letters or I would say letters of evaluation where all the faculty that teach our postbacs in the program uh, contribute uh, their feedback about the students to a comprehensive letter. I'm the letter writer and I contribute to that too, but uh, you know, uh, our biology faculty contribute, chemistry faculty, uh, the organic chemistry faculty, uh, biochemistry faculty, um, physics faculty. And so we can really provide really well-rounded letters uh, and we can talk about academic abilities. We can talk about, because we get to, to know the students really well, we can talk about how do they work with others? We see them working in, in lab groups, right? Uh, how do they, uh, you know, deal with uh, challenges? You know, for Alex's group, for example, the challenge was COVID, right? <laughs> and so that was yeah. <laughs> quite, um, quite a different experience for all of us, but we went into... Uh, you know, hybrid environments, full-time online. Then we did some labs because these students need hands-on labs. Right. And then part of it was, you know, online on Zoom. And um, so for me, it was actually amazing how, especially this group, Alex's group, really navigated that environment. And I was really impressed. Uh, it didn't face them. I think it was hard at times, right, Alex? <laughs> I mean, we definitely couldn't have done it without you know, the support of, of you and, and the rest of the science yeah. faculty, for sure. Yeah. So, But I, I think it's just great if we can write in a letter, you know, these students faced challenges mm -hmm. and they, they proceeded and they uh, they didn't give up. And, and that speaks for itself then uh, overall. And we can really write comprehensive letters because we, we work with them. Uh, the faculty work directly with the students. They understand how the students think. Uh, they can really figure out uh, you know, the academic abilities of these students. And uh, the same goes for me because I have these uh, really um, frequent me meetings uh, with them uh, overall. Okay. Yeah. So, so Alex, now you've completed the program. Yes. And kind of talk about how you found Loris, came here. Yeah. How does what you were expecting day one, uh, how much, is, what were you expecting and what did you get? Right. Um, that's a good question. So a few of the... I know I mentioned the whole applying on a whim thing. Yeah. That is some partially true. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a few criteria that I was looking for that Loris fit the bill for. One of them we talked about was the career changer aspect, right? Obviously, I wasn't in medicine in the past, mm -hmm. and so I needed a program that explicitly was going to help me change my focus mm -hmm. to medicine. Um, another one that Uldi mentioned was the the time frame, right? Um, some programs are 12 months, some are 24, and a lot of the less structured programs is just sort of do at your own pace. Um, and 
the issues I saw with that was that it can kind of spiral out of control. All of a sudden, you find yourself doing these post-bac classes for three, four, five, mm -hmm. however many years. Um, so I knew I wanted something where the program was a concerted 12 months, and then I would be applying at the end of that. And automatically, going into the post-bac program, you know after the program, you're going to have a glide year. And that just means the time period after you've applied between when you hopefully start medical school the mm -hmm. next year. Um, so I knew whatever classes I didn't take within that 12-month structured plan was I could take the following fall or spring during my glide year. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that was also just mentioned uh, includes the other structural support systems that were there. So I didn't know a whole lot about the letter of recommendation writing process that was involved for medical school, mm -hmm. for the application. Um, but one can just imagine, you know, if I, if I take individual classes with teachers and I have to chase them down myself and it's not, they just know me as a teacher-student relationship in this class, not as somebody who has the future goal of becoming a physician or whatever other health healthcare professional you want to be. But the thing is with the program here at Loris, it is that focused, all of the professors know you are in my class because you want to be a physician. You are also a student in this class and you have to participate as just any other student would. But at the same time, everybody has that overarching picture of, all right, this student is here because they are going to go into healthcare. Um, I think I had every single one of my teachers contribute to the the committee letter that you ended up writing for yeah, me uh, yeah everybody that you had in class contributed yeah. to the letter and yeah. they did that in a very positive way oh <laughs> <laughs> and I, i'm thankful for that but it, it was i don't know if i can it's impossible to overemphasize or overstate how helpful having that committee letter was as as one of the letters of recommendation mm -hmm. on my on my application um so that's kind of going in the things I was expecting. I have to say, I, I don't know if I was expe expecting it to be, um, it's hard to determine what I was expecting with the rigor, I guess is right. what I'm trying to say. It was definitely very rigorous. Um, I wouldn't say if I, that I felt I was drowning at times just because the support was there, mm -hmm. but oh boy, did I use the support <laughs> systems that were there. Um, constantly in office hours, whether it was, was online on Zoom uh, or then eventually later on in person, uh, leaning on a lot of the other students to um, work with them in groups. And that was another thing, too, is that because it's a tight-knit program, and, and Loris is, is you know a tight-knit school, too, and everybody in the science department, I'm friends with so many undergrads, even though there's almost a decade age gap now between <laughs> us, you know, we still... We still talk. I still talk with a bunch of them about the research that I'm doing. Um, but so that sort of a collaborative environment is something I was looking for and something I definitely found here at Loris and, and helped me to succeed for sure. Yeah. So that support, not only from faculty, but also from fellow students yeah. is key. Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely. Uh, and, and, uh, what do they call them in classes is, uh, when a student takes on... SI, SI thank you. Yeah. <laughs> An SI is a student that's taken the class before, and then they sort of take on the role as uh, 
student teacher. Student teacher, okay. and they have SI sessions um, okay. at different times, usually in the evenings during the week. And so those SI sessions were, were also helpful. Um, but it was even outside of class. I have distinct memories in the summer when I was not in class of being in Dr. Kerr's office and Dr. Mosher's office uh, and also Dr. Cooper's office and asking them MCAT questions. So at mm-hmm. this time I was studying for the MCAT in, in May. Uh, and yeah, I, they took hours of their time that <laughs> they didn't have to devote to me, but, but they, they did. They helped explain certain topics and you know I also have the success on on my MCAT is is due due to them as well so Uh, and you may have touched on this already based on on some of your answers but is there anything that's really stood out now that you reflect back that like this was really a a key component to this program this this really I really appreciate this more than anything or something along those lines just the level the level of access to teachers, faculty, Mm -hmm. faculty and staff. Mm -hmm. Um, Before I had decided to enter into the post-bac program, Oli set me up with one of the students that was currently in the program, Sarah. And the email she wrote me, just in terms of explaining the help she got, she mentioned a time, Oli, that you helped shovel her car out of the (laughs) snow, right? Um, Um, She's from... she was from uh, Georgia, and she, she it was the first time really dealing with snow. Sure. And so uh, apparently that was really impressive that we <laughs> came out and shoveled her car out. And, uh, and I think uh, some of the students in uh, um, Dr. Moshe's lab came out and helped directing out her oh, car really? out. Oh, and, okay. uh, but I think it's a testament to We are a small That's... program, and I, I hope that we can create an uh, environment where students that are often from far, far away uh, can feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And not alone. Well, snow shoveling is not in the program description. I will, I will, I will point that out, it, but maybe we should put it in there <laughs> yeah. because we have several California students that That's are true. also yeah, the true. first yeah. time in their life. They, they bought snow boots mm-hmm. yeah. being here in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that I want to mention too. That's, uh, not, I guess, I guess that is pertinent to my experience is that this program also, uh, even though I'm from the Midwest, and obviously we are in the Midwest right now, uh, my the, my best friend from my year, uh, she's from Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a number. Of, we have a student from California, a number of students from California, one from Arizona, um, and then we also do have you know other students from from Wisconsin and Iowa and Illinois. Um, but it's just it's not just solely a, a midwestern right. program right it is it is definitely national so yeah um, but yeah that that's the sort of level that i was able to to connect to everybody with and that is unique to the loris program just mm-hmm. the, the connection i had with the faculty with the other students both postbacs and and undergrads mm-hmm. so nice so Enrique, the we can talk a little bit about you know now that uh, you know multiple cohorts have gone through, and talk a little bit about um, some of the, the successes and, and where the students uh, have or have moved on to like what what they're what they're pursuing because not everybody is pursuing the same exact specific thing. There's no. you know not everybody's just out, they all want to be a physician. Not everybody wants to be one thing. So mm-hmm. what uh, 
where has everybody gone since they've completed the program? Yeah, so so far uh, we have the fourth cohort cohort on campus, and so far we the majority were pre medical students. Uh, the first and second cohort, uh, the students that applied got into medical school, so they are now medical students. And um, we have uh, several, currently we have a pre-dental student. We have graduated dental student that is now in uh, dental school. Uh, One of the uh, students of our first cohort uh, was a pre-dental student. Uh, We currently have actually two pre-PA students. So they are finishing the prereqs for uh, PA school. Um, and and as, as we mentioned before, we are really able to um, provide the prereqs for any of these these pathways. And also we are able to um, to be flexible. Uh, so we have a one year curriculum for most of these pathways, especially for our pre-med and pre-dent. Um, but for example, because our one year program is so rigorous, uh, we realize that we have sometimes students that may have a family, right? And so we are able to, uh, you know, um, adapt our, our program to their needs. So there might be, a, we don't recommend to work in that one-year program, but if a student needs to work, we can work with each individual student to, to create a, a plan that fits that student's need. Uh, we have some students to, that are really in, interested in, in doing research. It's um, There's a limit what you can do in 24 hours, right, <laughs> during the program, but then we we have, you know, ex- uh, Alex is an example. He was interested in research. He connected with one of our faculty over uh, kind of, um, uh, I think it was biochemistry with Dr. Yes. Kerr. He mm-hmm. connected with him. And so uh, Alex went through our program, did the one-year program, uh, set for the admission test, the MCAT, applied to medical school. And then in his glide year where you, you know, wait for the reply of the medical school or the, the health profession school and then go to an interview. Uh, Alex started working with uh, Dr. Kerr on uh, doing some research. So uh, we are able to really adapt our program to the needs of our students. We have some students that, uh, since we we have a really robust uh, healthcare system here, uh, we, uh, we are able to connect our students during their glide years to direct patient care experiences if they want to. Um, so we are able to really guide our students uh, through that process. And we are also able to um, really figure out and help students what they really want. So let's just say we have students that, um, you know, maybe struggle. Maybe their their GPA is not, uh, you know, in an area where they are competitive for certain schools. Then we are not like other programs, she can uh, uh, um, send them away. We um, work with them, figure out a, a strategy, figure out if there is something else they want to do, and then we are also able to help them on, on, on that pathway um, uh, overall. So, um, yeah, I think we, we, we are overall very flexible, and we have, um, yeah, so far we have uh, people in medical school, in dental school, in PA school, and uh, I just talked with a student who is, uh, needs a prereqs for vet- veterinary school, uh, school so hopefully uh, soon we have a veterinary school um, uh, applicant, um, but we are really able to help uh, students, you know, go through these processes to achieve, uh, you know, their application at these different health profession schools. Yeah, so it's not just about results, it's about making sure the students find the path that works best for them. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, we do that with our undergraduate students too, but we, we have a lot of conversations uh, with our students, uh, you know, about, you know, reassuring, is this the right pathway? Mm -hmm. uh, assuring they have the skills to go on this pathway. Um, and uh, so we do a lot of that, that additional work. So once you really apply to medical school, mo most people really, most students really know this is what I want and invest the time and uh, we can individually help them on, on that pathway. Okay. So Alex, mm -hmm. you've both mentioned that you've, you've been doing some research with uh, Dr. Yeah. Andy Kerr. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you're actually researching? Sure. Um, so there is a gene called OPA1. Um, and that gene is involved with uh, the fusion, fusion and fission within mitochondria. Uh, the big thing, the big takeaway, though, is that OPA1, when it mutates, uh, has been shown to be correlated with the emergence of uh, dominant optic atrophy. Uh, it's a disease that manifests similarly to glaucoma, so from, from a lot of pressure in the eye, except it's genetic, right? So you'll have those symptoms emerging much earlier. So that's the gene, mm -hmm. OPA1. What my specific part of the project is working on, we have OPA1 that we're studying a lot in bacteria because E. coli is very flexible um, and it's essentially the tool of the molecular biologist to, to do a lot of genetic research. Um, Another model organism that can be used is yeast. Mm -hmm. What we use, baking, baker's yeast, same, same thing, but yeast is just one step closer to us as humans than bacteria because yeast are eukaryotes just like us. So we are trying to get that gene into yeast and just seeing how what yeast does when it has that gene. What does it do to the proteins that it makes? And that should give us a bigger idea, okay, if, if the proteins from encoded by this gene are treated a certain way by yeast, we can make a, a closer connection to how, how it acts in humans. Mm -hmm. um, and when I first talked to, to Dr. Kerr, to Andy about this, um, it was that connection of his research to biomedical sciences, to medicine that... Um, immediately drew me to it and excited excited me mm -hmm. about it. Um, and I know there wasn't much precedence for post-bac students to do research, but it quickly became apparent to me that it, w it was an option and I could do it as long as I obviously showed commitment to it and it wasn't just you know a brief idea that I had. I'm like, oh, I'm interested in this, but no. So I... I was interested in it. I did it for credit in the fall. Mm -hmm. um, and then now I've continued to do it uh, as a volunteer researching in the lab. And I'm actually going to present at the end of this month at, at Legacy Symposium nice. here at Loris. Um, and that, I think, is the best example of the opportunities and the flexibility here as part of the post-bac program. Not mm -hmm. only the courses, not only working as an EMT here in Dubuque, uh, but Loris allowed me to do research, which which obviously looks looks great for medical schools. Yeah. That wasn't the sole reason why I was doing it. Obviously, it's something I thought about. Um, but I pursued the research because I was interested in it. Now I'll be able to say I, I presented at a, a conference of sorts when I present at, at Legacy. Um, 
and I just know that possibility is not there or would not have been there for me at a, at a different program. Nice. So. And well, uh, I have to mention that, uh, Robert, that this is kind of, um, for me, that, that is so um, satisfactory, right? Mm -hmm. And, and the, the beauty of uh, kind of guiding these through, uh, students through our program, um, you know, career changers t typically didn't, ha didn't take science classes, so we don't really know how they, they really perform, right? We also know sometimes students struggle in undergraduate education because they don't know um, where they are going, what they, they, what they want to do. And then students come to us and they, they start out, and as Alex mentioned, um, you know, you are not necessarily super enthused always <laughs> about taking chemistry or taking a physics class. But at the end, you know, I think it's so great to see what, you know, you know, knowing Alex on the paper in his application and then getting to know him in the program. And, and really the sky is really the limit and seeing these students really excel and go beyond uh, really all expectations and finding their passions. And um, that is, that's the beauty of my job, really. I, I feel very blessed to be able to do that. Yeah, it, it's, it sounds maybe a little bit cliche, but I felt like I was treated as a person instead of just the, the stats on a piece of paper or what I wrote on a piece of paper. And increasingly, that's becoming important with, with healthcare admissions too. So to have to be in the program here at Loris, be treated like that and, and realize I'm you know, a, a whole person with, with different interests and passions and that's exactly what medical schools are looking for in, in their applicants as well. Mm -hmm. So it just paved the way right there for me in the post-bac program too. Yeah. So. Well, and that sets up, what did it pave the way for? What's next, oh, What's next um, for you? I am, Good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fortunate to say uh, I was admitted to the Medical College of Wisconsin uh, in, in Milwaukee. Thank you. And I will be, yeah, I will start at the beginning of August. Um, white coat ceremony at some, some point toward the end of August. But yeah, uh, August, I, I begin, begin medical school. So come so, full circle back yeah. to Milwaukee. How about that? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> not, not what I would have expected when I was 20 years old, but, you know, 30-whatever-me is uh, <laughs> very, very thankful and grateful to have the opportunities that I have had and, and now continue to have. Yeah. So. yeah, and to stress that it's never too late to, Absolutely. to pursue your passion. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. So if anybody listening is actually interested, whether it's for themselves or they know somebody else who is interested in maybe shifting over, doing the career change into a medical or health field, you can go. You can get more information about the Loris program at loris.edu slash postback. And that's loris.edu slash P-O-S-T-B-A-C-C. There you can find all the information, get more, find out how you can apply, more details, and get the ball rolling uh, for your career change. And I'm happy to uh, talk with anybody on the phone and set up Zoom meetings uh, or meet in person uh, uh, if anybody needs more information about this. Yeah, and Ulrike's contact is right there on the post-baccalaureate page. So I used that, too, <laughs> when I was applying, so definitely use that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ulrike, Alex, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. I, thank you. I really appreciate you guys kind of sharing your insights into the, the post-bac program. It, it means a lot. It, it, it really is such a significant program, and being the only one in Iowa 
I mean, for people to come around the yeah. country coming here, it's it's not a small deal. No, no, it's not, and it's uh, it's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much yeah. for having us, Robert. Yeah, thanks, thank thanks you. again. And I also want to say thank you to, to our producer, Trent Hanselman, and thank you to everyone who listened into our discussion. For more podcasts as well as Loris News and Features, be sure to visit the Loris News website at daily.loris.edu. We hope you'll join us next time for another Dewhawk Digest. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. And go Dewhawks. <laughs>